0: Well, this morning is going to be a little bit different than kind of our normal Sunday morning routine. We sang a little bit less so that we'll have some time to talk a little bit more. And not just me, other people. Aren't you glad? Uh, what we want to do this morning is, uh, you all know that our Frankfurt team, we got back from uh, Frankfurt and Vienna uh, late last Saturday night. And, uh, but this morning, we'd like to give a report of some of the insights and highlights uh, impressions from our time and meetings with different people and some of the training that we went through and uh, and begin to apply in a little bit, uh, in, in some little ways, some of the things that we learned there and even to our life uh, here as a church, and so what I'm what I'm intending to do this morning is work relatively quickly, uh, and I really mean that. Usually, you hear pastors say, "I want to spend a brief moment in Scripture," and you know, three hours later, you're getting lunch. But I really mean it. Briefly, spend some time in Acts chapter one this morning. Uh, but then I'm going to invite the rest of the Frankfurt team, Danny and Lori and uh, Aubrey, to join me up here, and we're going to show some pictures and tell some stories uh, uh, about our time in Frankfurt, just to, so you can. Uh, kind of bring you along with us uh, as you've been with us in prayer, so we want to kind of take you with us in experience a little bit too. This morning we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, very briefly, as we wrap up this uh, short sort of punctuated sermon series called On Mission. Uh, several weeks ago, we looked at how the church on mission engages the mission of God by praying, praying for God to open doors of, of opportunity for the gospel. We saw the week following that uh, the church on mission not only prays, but also gives. We, we, we give financially, we give of our time, we give of the resources that we have to support those who are taking the gospel to Uh, to people who have not heard it yet. And today, I want to round out uh, that series by talking about how the church on mission goes. The church on mission prays, it gives, and it goes, how it goes with the gospel. As we'll look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, we'll see there that the church on mission is empowered by the Holy Spirit to go to their neighbors and to the nations with the gospel of Jesus. That's the main idea of this short text and short sermon this morning. The church on mission is empowered by the Holy Spirit to go to their neighbors and the nations with the gospel of Jesus. I hope that as we see this in God's Word in Acts chapter 1, that we would understand afresh, anew, all over again, that to be on mission with the gospel is to depend on the Holy Spirit as we go with the good news of Jesus. Now, as we come to Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 6 through 8, we see in the preceding verses a few interesting things. Acts is volume 2 of Luke's history of Jesus and the apostles, if you will. Luke wrote volume 1, his gospel, the gospel according to Luke, which followed mostly all the work of Jesus in his life, death, burial, resurrection, and appearance to the apostles uh, before he uh, ascended uh, in glory to the right hand of the Father. The book of Acts is volume two. It picks up uh, with uh, Jesus' last appearance to the apostles, last instruction to them, and then his ascension into heaven in Acts chapter one. And then the rest of Acts follows what the apostles and those who became followers of Jesus did with the gospel in the earliest years uh, of the church. We find in the first few verses of Acts that as Jesus, in his glorified, risen state, is speaking to the apostles, he's reminding them of what he taught them before. He's reminding them about the kingdom of God. That was so much of Jesus' preaching, it was about the coming kingdom of God, God's righteous rule and reign in the hearts of those who love him, specifically through Christ. And so we come to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. I invite you to stand as we honor God by. Uh, uh, by reading his word. Acts 1, 6 through 8, we pick up in the early part of this narrative. Luke, the gospel writer, uh, or, or Luke, the, the writer of Acts, uh, says this So when they had come together, they, the disciples, asked him, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is God's word. You may be seated. The church on mission is empowered by the Holy Spirit to go to their neighbors and to the nations with the gospel of Jesus. I have four brief, and I mean it, points to draw out from this passage this morning. First of all, we see that the church on mission goes with focus. The church on mission goes with focus. The focus of the church taking the gospel to the world or in ministry to the world, the focus of the church is not geopolitics, but the gospel. The disciples are here in this place anticipating that the risen Jesus is going to return Israel to geopolitical power and influence, to make them great again like they were in the days of David. Jesus has been talking about the kingdom, and now He's been crucified and raised from the dead, and now He stands glorified before them, and they're thinking, we're going to be back on the map. Jesus, are you going to now restore the kingdom? And Jesus diverts them from thinking this way. He says to them effectively, and... Verse 7, that's not for you to worry about. The restoration of the kingdom is not your first focus, apostles, disciples. In fact, it's not even for you to know when that will happen. That's God's intention. That's God's prerogative. Now, we affirm this morning that the kingdom of God is at work in the world even now as God rules and reigns in the hearts of those who have trusted His Son. And we affirm that God's kingdom will come in permanent power and glory when Christ returns to judge the living and the dead and to make this world new. We affirm this idea of the coming kingdom of God. But the church on mission is not to obsess about that future day when that kingdom comes, but instead to focus on the message of the gospel. Jesus is here with His apostles. He's not denying the coming of the kingdom or even the restoration of God's covenant people, but He is depoliticizing it by calling the disciples to a focused global mission of proclaiming the gospel. We are to trust God's timing about the arrival of the kingdom And with our trust in His good timing, we place our focus then on the mission of proclaiming the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died for sinners, was raised again. He calls all those who would repent of sin to believe in Him and receive reconciliation with God. And we disciple those who respond affirmatively to that gospel call and that gospel message. Those who say, yes, Jesus is Lord. Yes, I am repenting of my sin. Yes, He's my only Savior, my only hope in life and death. We help them to grow up in Christ with a laser-like focus on the gospel. The church on mission goes with focus. We see also in this passage that the church on mission goes in power. Jesus promises that the disciples will, in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, will receive power from the Holy Spirit when He comes upon them. The Holy Spirit of God is, friends, you know this, is not a force of God, but a person of God. We believe in one God who coequally and co-eternally exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit The redemption of sinners from their sin through a vicarious sacrifice is the eternal plan of God the Father. That plan is carried out and accomplished by the person of God the Son, Jesus Christ. And when people repent of sin and trust in Jesus for salvation, it is God the Holy Spirit who seals believers in their salvation and then empowers them for ministry and for global witness. We must remember that because the mission is God's mission... And not our own mission, the mission of taking the gospel to the nations, making disciples of all who will respond positively to it. That this is God's work, not, or God's intention, not our intention. It's His plan, not ours. That we carry out this mission, not in our own power, but in the power that God supplies by His Holy Spirit. And again, the Holy Spirit is not a force that God gives to aid us along. The Holy Spirit is God's own person, living, dwelling in the hearts of those who believe. Now, the power that the Holy Spirit will give, that Jesus promises to the disciples, is not a power merely to do miraculous things, though the disciples will do those things. You read through the rest of Acts, we see the disciples healing people, raising the dead, uh, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, uh, healing the lame, and so on. But these miraculous events that are seen in Acts should be understood as the expression of God's power through the Holy Spirit to enable the disciples not just to do wonderful works, but to enable the disciples to boldly testify to the good news of Jesus. Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my miracle workers. No, you will be my witnesses. In fact, in nearly every instance of of a miraculous event, a, 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 a mighty deed that is done in the course of Acts by the disciples, we find following very closely a verbal and intelligible gospel declaration and invitation to faith and repentance. Almost nowhere that I can see in the book of Acts is there a miracle, is there a sign done, is there a person healed by supernatural power flowing through the disciples where then thereafter the gospel is not also proclaimed and invited to be believed. The church on mission goes in power, the power of the person of God, the Holy Spirit, to, and this gets us to the the third point, not the last point, to the third point, that the church on mission goes to witness. This is power for witness. It's not uncommon to hear of churches going on a mission trip, not unlike what our team went on to Frankfurt and Vienna a couple of weeks ago, to go on a mission trip and come back with stories of orphanages painted, houses built, clean water wells that have been dug. These are all good and fine and compassionate, humane things to do for our fellow man. But these things are not in and of themselves the goal of missions. These are not the things that the Holy Spirit expressly empowers the church to do. Rather, the Holy Spirit empowers believers to give witness to Jesus. The word witness is translated from the Greek word that Luke used when he wrote uh, Acts, the Greek word martus. It's a word from which we get uh, our English uh, cognate word martyr. Martus is a legal term of sorts for a person who gives testimony in court about what they have seen and heard. A witness, a martus, is called to give anecdotal evidence of events that have taken place. Building houses, painting orphanages, digging clean water wells are good things to do for people in need around the world, but these things are not the essence of mission, friends. Giving testimony to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus with a call to repent from sin and believe in Him is the essence of missions. In fact, if missions can be summed up by providing technological and agricultural advancement to developing countries, then I think we could say that secular companies and non religious nonprofits are doing a far better job of accomplishing missions than the church is. And if missions can be summed up by providing technologically disadvantaged cultures with advancements, then there's no mission left to do in places like Europe in places like the megacities of China, New York, even Albuquerque. If providing advancement, cultural and technological advancement is is the goal of missions, friends, we don't have anything to offer Albuquerque. We're a fairly technologically advanced city. There's not a whole lot physically that we can give to this place. But if missions is something different, if missions is not nice things done for people in need, but if missions is about witness, about giving testimony to the saving work of Jesus Christ, about testifying to the hope and the salvation that's found only in him, well then. And we see that the whole world still stands in need of the mission of the church. And feeding the hungry, giving clean water to the thirsty, caring for orphans, Each become compassionate ways to build bridges of trust that gain a hearing for the gospel. But they're not the mission in and of themselves. So hear hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's bad to paint orphanages, build houses, and provide clean water. Those are good things in as much as Christians are doing them to build bridges of trust to share the gospel to those that they're caring for. A very interesting reality about what we encountered in Germany and in Austria a couple of weeks ago is that the mission there is, to use the words of missionaries on the ground there, the mission in Europe is Jesus plus nothing. There are no clean water wells to dig in Western Europe. They've all been dug and they've been there for centuries. There are no agricultural advancements or techniques to give to Western Europe They've been growing pumpkins in Austria far longer than we've had pumpkins here in America. We saw a lot of them, big fields of them. They use pumpkin seed oil and everything. There's no technological advancement that we can give to Western Europeans to build a bridge of trust whereby we can walk across to give them the gospel. Friends, most of the places that we were, the cities that we were in while we were gone, were more technologically advanced than Albuquerque and several places in the United States. The mission in Europe, according to missionaries on the ground, church planters and pastors that are there, is Jesus plus nothing. Because Germany and Austria need nothing physical, the mission there is all about witness It's all about testimony. It's all about gospel sharing. And friends, the city that we live in, Albuquerque, is so much the same. The thing that our city needs the most, that our neighbors need the most, is not something to make their lives a little bit easier, but a Savior to redeem them. News that Christ has paid for sins, that they might be reconciled to God. The church goes the church on mission goes with focus. The church on mission goes in power. The church on mission goes to witness. And finally, and I mean it, the church on mission goes to the world. The church on mission goes to the world. And just as Jesus tells the disciples here in Acts 1.8 that they will receive power to be witnesses, He also tells them where they will witness. Did you catch that? Their witness will start in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. In that capital city of the Jewish people, the the gospel was there preached for the first time by the Apostle Peter at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. You can flip a couple pages ahead and read his sermon. And there, following his call to all who heard the message of the gospel to repent and believe on Christ, the church on that day grew to thousands immediately and continued growing by the thousands until... We get to about Acts chapter 8, and persecution begins to arise in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, the persecution of Christians at the hands of Jewish leaders who are opposing this, this new, as they saw it, new movement. Uh, leaders like Saul of Tarsus encouraging and facilitating the persecution there in Jerusalem caused believers in Christ to disperse, to leave Jerusalem, and to disperse throughout the broader regions of Judea and Samaria. Judea and Samaria were regions of the Roman world that comprised most of what was the ancient nation of Israel. We read in the following chapters of Acts that Philip, one of the proto-deacons of Acts chapter 6, if you will, one of the seven who was chosen to minister to the needs among uh, certain widows in the church in Jerusalem, Philip left Jerusalem and took the gospel to Samaria and even leads the first African convert to Christ, an Ethiopian eunuch. So Philip, leaving Jerusalem, taking the gospel with him to Samaria. By Acts chapter 13, Saul of Tarsus has been confronted by the risen Jesus. He's repented of his persecution and all his other sin, and he becomes a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And Saul, we know him better as Paul, as a member of the church at Antioch. Both he and A friend, a fellow member of the church, Barnabas, were sent out by the church in Acts chapter 13 to be gospel witnesses to the Roman world. The remainder of Acts, after Acts 13, tells mostly Paul's story as he takes the gospel to the nations, starting in regions of Galatia and moving to Macedonia. And he makes his way uh, uh, throughout much of the Roman world, intending even to go to to Spain at one point. Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And the book of Acts tells precisely that story of Christ's people in the power of the Holy Spirit giving witness to Him in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Friends, we are the result of the gospel having gone to the ends of the earth. You look at Albuquerque, you look at Jerusalem on a map or on a globe, and you'll find that there are two places not not a whole lot further apart on the globe. And yet the gospel has come here, from there. Because faithful believers who go with focus, who go in power, who go to witness, have gone to the nations. The church on mission starts at their doorstep testifying to the power and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church on mission doesn't stop until they've reached the nations but further yet even having gone to the nations those who are going on mission with Christ don't neglect their neighbors it's like I uh, preach the gospel to my neighbor he said yes or he said no whatever I'm on to the next person and forgetting him and, and and then once I've reached these people I'm going on to the next forgetting no never the case It's always the case that believers are going to the world, sort of big picture and small picture at the same time. As we extend outward to reach those who have not yet heard, we're also still looking close by to those who may still need to hear. The church on mission goes with focus, not on advancing politics or policies, but on advancing the good news of Jesus. The church on mission goes in power, not our own, but the power that God supplies by His Holy Spirit. And not power to do miraculous things, but power to be witnesses. The church on mission goes to witness, to testify to the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And the hope of salvation is for all who repent of sin and trust Him. The church on mission goes to the nations, starting with our neighbors and going until all have heard. As we take a moment now to to share with you about our trip to Frankfurt and Vienna to give you some highlights and impressions, I invite you to, as you listen to some of the stories that we'll share, invite you to consider two things this morning. One, consider, first of all, how have I responded to the gospel of Jesus? Have I repented of my sin and placed my faith in him? Am I walking with this risen Savior? And with that, assuming that you have responded to the gospel. If you haven't responded to the gospel of Jesus positively by faith yet, I invite you, let today be that day. And maybe while we're sharing about our time in Frankfurt and Vienna, you just need to spend that time praying, asking God to reveal Himself to you in truth this morning, and then make it a point to come speak with me or one of our members after worship this morning about how you can walk with Christ as a follower of His. But assuming that you have responded, to the gospel positively, assuming that you are a follower of Jesus this morning. I want you to think, as we're sharing some stories, how am I daily responding to the gospel? The gospel is not just a one-time call, it's a daily call, a daily call to be witnesses for Christ. How am I daily responding to the call of Christ on my life? And then I want you to think, secondly, about what ways and to what people the Holy Spirit has empowered you to be a witness of Christ. I don't want you to think about what miracles you can go do tomorrow. I want you to think about what people you're going to run into tomorrow at work, at school, uh, maybe while you're checking the mail or running errands around town. Think about the people that you see and you know regularly, who know the language that you speak, with whom you share a number of things in common already, who may be with whom you have already built bridges of trust in relationship that can bear the weight of gospel truth. I want you to think about how God, through the Holy Spirit, is empowering you with boldness and courage and grace to speak the gospel, to be a witness of Christ to those that you're already around every day.